Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. The prophet Isaiah referred to the Messiah, Jesus, as a man of sorrows. On today's program, John looks at why the prophet would refer to our Savior in such a way in his message, the tears of Jesus. If you'll open your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of John, chapter number 11. John chapter 11. While you're finding that passage, I want to ask you a question. When you think about the person of Jesus Christ, what you read about in the New Testament and what you know to be true of Jesus, what words would you use to describe Him? Now, I was thinking about that last week, and I just jotted down several words here that I think accurately summarize His life. First of all, we know that Jesus is a very kind person. As we read about Him in the New Testament, we know that He was a joyful person. Jesus was happy. In fact, the Scripture says that God anointed Jesus with the oil of gladness more than all of His other companions. He was a joyful person. He was holy, and yet He was very forgiving. Jesus was honest and sometimes painfully honest. And with the religious crowd especially, Jesus would put them in their place. And He would say to them, you can't just make judgments by what appears to be. You have to make judgments by what is. Jesus was a powerful person. Here is someone who himself created the world. Here is someone who raised dead people back to life. Someone who made blind people where they could see and deaf people where they could hear. Jesus, out on the Sea of Galilee, here's a storm. He speaks to the wind. Who can do that? And the wind stops blowing. And so Jesus had all power. And then Jesus was a dedicated person. You talk about someone who was dedicated to his Father's will. No one was ever more dedicated to the Father's will than Jesus Christ. And so those are some of the words that I wrote down as I think about the person of Jesus. Now, I want us to see a verse in Isaiah 53 and in verse number 3 because this verse gives us an insight into the person of Jesus that's a little bit different from those words I just gave you. The Bible says this, He is a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Now, when we think about Jesus, we don't think about Jesus being sorrowful or sad. We don't think about Jesus grieving. And yet the Scripture says, describing the Messiah, Old Testament describing the Messiah who was to come, He is a man of sorrows and He is acquainted with grief. And so this morning, I want us to think about that aspect of the life of Jesus, His sorrow, His sadness, His grieving. Interestingly, there are three times in the New Testament where we read about the tears of Jesus, that Jesus wept. And I want us to look at those instances this morning, the three different times in the New Testament that we read about Jesus weeping. And the question is, what made Jesus to weep? How could someone who had all these qualities that I've just mentioned, the creator of the world, the savior of the world, the son of God, God himself, what in the world would cause Jesus to weep? Well, first of all, we see, and we'll see it in John chapter 11, that Jesus wept because of human suffering. He wept because of human suffering. In John chapter 11, familiar passage of scripture, we read about the death of a man named Lazarus. Lazarus is one of Jesus' close friends. He and his two sisters, Mary and Martha, lived in Bethany. 
which was not far from Jerusalem at all. And every time Jesus went from Galilee to Jerusalem, he would travel to Bethany and he would stay with the three of them or he would have a meal with the three of them. He would spend time with Lazarus and Mary and Martha. Well, on one occasion, Lazarus became sick. And so Mary and Martha said to some of their friends, please go to Jesus. He's not here. He's not near here. But go to where he is and tell him that Lazarus is sick and he can come and heal our brother. Well, Jesus got the message. And yet when he got the message, he didn't go to Bethany to heal Lazarus. He stayed where he was a little bit longer. And then he started moving towards Bethany. And as he was getting close to town, word came to Jesus. Of course, he's God. He already knew anyway. But word came to Jesus that Lazarus had died. And so in John chapter 11 and verse number 35, as Jesus is being told by one of the sisters of Lazarus and the friends of Lazarus that he had died, in John eleven thirty-five, we read these two words, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. And so the sadness that hit Jesus in that moment when he thought about what had happened with Lazarus and as he saw what was happening to Mary and Martha and all these others as they were so sad and heartbroken about Lazarus, it caused Jesus to weep. Now, here's the question. Why did Jesus weep? Someone says, well, Jesus wept because Lazarus had died. Well, no, I don't believe that's why Jesus wept because Jesus, as you know, was about to bring Lazarus back to life again. I don't think Jesus wept because Lazarus had died. I believe, and I'll show you why I believe this in a moment, Jesus wept because everybody else was weeping. In fact, if you look back in verse number 32, it says, Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. What caused Jesus to groan in his spirit? What caused Jesus to be troubled? What caused Jesus to be sad? It wasn't that Lazarus had died because he was fixing to come up out of that grave. It was instead that these others were weeping. And he said in verse 34, where have you laid him? They said, Lord, come and see. The next verse, Jesus wept. One of the shortest verses in all the Bible, Jesus wept. Now, it's interesting, that word wept in verse 35, it comes from the Greek word dakruo, dakruo, which literally means to silently burst into tears to silently burst into tears. We've all done that. Jesus is talking to Mary, and he's seeing these others, and everybody's crying, and Jesus just feels that emotion touching his heart, and he just silently burst into tears. But we look back in verse 33, when Mary was weeping and the others were weeping, notice what it says, therefore when Jesus saw her weeping and the others weeping, that comes from another Greek word, the word klio, which literally means to wail aloud. And so here's Mary, and here are these others. They're they're crying, they're weeping, but in their weeping, there's mourning, there's wailing, and there's noise to their tears. Now, Jesus didn't weep that way. Jesus, his weeping was silent. And and the reason that his, his weeping was different from their weeping, in their weeping, there was mourning, there was hopelessness. Lazarus had died. Jesus didn't have that. He had instead a silent crying, because of the tears that they were shedding, which says to me that when we are sad, when we are troubled, when we are upset, that God is upset too. When our hearts are broken, His heart is broken too. Jesus is touched with our infirmities. You know, sometimes I hear somebody talk about God, 
Maybe I'm in a service or some event and somebody's up talking about God and they've painted God as this person so far removed, so distant from us, and he's making sure the sun's not too close to the earth or will melt or not too far away or will freeze, and God's got all these big things uh, on his mind, and that God is totally removed from the details of our lives. Friend, that's not true. God is touched with our infirmity. And God is moved by our sadness, and He's moved by our pain. And here we read that Jesus wept, and it says to us, listen to this, Jesus cares. This morning, whatever it is you're going through as a family or as an individual, Jesus knows where you are, and Jesus cares how you feel. He's not distant. He's not removed. He's not untouched by what you're feeling. He's very much involved in that situation, and the thing that troubles you troubles Him. The thing that saddens you saddens him, and we learn that here. I can remember years ago hearing my mom tell me a story about, a, not about John chapter 11 and Lazarus, but about how God one day revealed to her at a very difficult time in her life that he knew what she was feeling, and he cared what she was going through. Back in the late 1960s, my Dad and mom both were really called into the ministry and felt like that he should leave the business world and, and become a preacher. And so they together uh, made that decision, surrendered to the ministry, and not long after they had made that decision, God opened a door for my dad to pastor a church in Georgia in the, on the south side of Atlanta, a church called Providence Baptist Church. And he pastored that church for about two and a half years. Well, at the end of that time, he felt like he really needed to go to seminary and to, if he's going to spend his whole life preaching, so he could study and learn. So I, had, I was about six months old, and, and uh, my parents and I, took me, and, and anyway, we moved to Texas. Well, when we all got out to Fort Worth, the first Sunday they were there, uh, they went and took me and put me in the nursery and uh, attended a church in Fort Worth called Travis Avenue Baptist Church. This is in the spring of 1970. At this time, Travis Avenue had the largest worship center, largest sanctuary of any church in the Southern Baptist Convention. Now, that wouldn't be true today. There are others who have bigger, but that sanctuary held about 3,000, 3,500 people. So it was a very large church. And so my parents now have gone from pastoring this small church in Georgia where they knew everybody and everybody knew them. And now they're in another state, don't know anybody, and they're in another church, a huge church. And my mother's telling me this some, probably a year or two or three ago. And she said, John, we were sitting in the back of that sanctuary of that huge church where we didn't know anybody. And she said, I can just remember feeling lonely, sad. We've left our family. We've left our church. We've left everybody to come out here to go to school. And here we're in this huge church, and we don't know anybody. We felt so disconnected. And she said, I just sat there during the song service that day and cried, wanted to go back home and thought we had made a mistake. She said, right before the pastor got up to preach the sermon that morning, the choir sang a special. And she said, when they were singing this song, God, through the music, spoke to my heart and said, Dottie, I know how you feel, and I'm going to take care of you. I said, well, Mom, what was the song that they were singing? She said, John, that day, that choir at Travis Avenue was singing, No One Understands Like Jesus. And she said, when I sat there and just heard that choir sing, No One Understands Like Jesus, she thought, well, that must be true, because I don't think there's anybody in the world who could understand how I feel. 
except Jesus Christ. And she said, John, in that moment, it was God speaking to me through that music and through that song saying to you, Dottie, I know how you feel. I care how you feel. And everything is going to be all right. You know, it's interesting. Time went by. My dad ended up becoming the uh, assistant pastor of that church for a couple of years while he was a seminary student. And my mom told me something that I didn't even know myself. Of course, when you're that young, you can't remember anything. She said, John, you were dedicated at Travis Avenue Baptist Church. I said, Mom, I thought I was dedicated back in Georgia at Providence Baptist Church. She said, John, we had some problems. Out of you. you had to be rededicated about a year later. <laughs> So I'm the only kid in the world who got dedicated twice because I needed that. But I tell that story today to say this. Here you are today in church on a Sunday morning. Some of you, this may be your first time at First Baptist. May you never have been here before. And you look around this room and you say, I don't know a soul here. Others of you, you say, no, I've been coming here for a long time, but you have no idea what I went through last week. And while everything looks familiar, nothing is the same. And I feel like no one understands. Friend, I want to say this to you today. Jesus understands and Jesus cares how you feel. When we read those two words, Jesus wept, it gives us an insight into the person of Jesus Christ. He is touched with our infirmities, and He is moved with our pain. Jesus wept because of human suffering. Number two time, we read about the tears of Jesus. We learn another insight about Jesus. Not only does He weep because of human suffering, but here in the uh, New Testament, we read that Jesus wept because of spiritual suffering. Now, turn back. You're in John. Turn back one book to the Gospel of Luke and chapter 19. Jesus wept not only because of human suffering. Somebody had died and others were sad. But there was a time when Jesus wept because of spiritual suffering. And in Luke 19, beginning in verse 28, we read about how Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And it says, when he had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. Now, we're not going to read all these verses today about this, but if you'll jump down to verse 37. Now, as Jesus was drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, so he's coming down the Mount of Olives now, down what we, what we know is that Palm Sunday Trail. And if you've been to Jerusalem, you have been on top of the Mount of Olives. You've walked down that Palm Sunday Trail. You've looked through that Kidron Valley and up to the old city of Jerusalem. There was Jesus riding on this animal as he's coming into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. The whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And so they're quoting here a verse from Psalm 118. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Here's this religious crowd. And they're saying to Jesus, Nobody is supposed to be worshipped except God. And these people are worshipping you. Tell them to stop. What they didn't understand was Jesus is God in the flesh. And verse 40, he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Jesus said, if they weren't praising me, these stones would, because I have come as God in the flesh, and they recognize that in their praise. So this is, a, this is Palm Sunday, and we know that in Bible times, palm branches were waved as a symbol, and when people would wave palm branches on special occasions, that was their way of saying, we believe that the Messiah is one day coming to this earth 
to save us and to liberate us. And so on this Palm Sunday, those in that crowd waving those palm branches, what were they saying? They were saying the Messiah is here. Our Savior and our Deliverer has arrived. Palm Sunday was a happy, happy day, and it should always be that. But in verse 41, we read something interesting. On this happy Palm Sunday, now as Jesus drew near, that is near the city of Jerusalem, he saw the city, now watch this, and wept over it. Now, just a few days earlier, he wept after Lazarus had died, and all the people were sad. He was sad. But here, he wept again over the city of Jerusalem. Why did Jesus weep over Jerusalem? Look in verse 42, saying, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for peace but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side. And that's exactly what the Romans did about 40 years later. They just, they just destroyed Jerusalem. And in verse 44, Jesus said, They will level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another. Watch this. Because you did not know the time of your visitation. Now, on this Palm Sunday, why did Jesus weep? We just read why he wept. He wept, first of all, because all these people living in Jerusalem. Now, there were many of them waving their palm branches, and and they're worshiping Jesus and recognizing him as the Messiah. But as he looked at the larger number of people in Jerusalem, not a part of this celebration, he wept. Why? Because they did not understand where peace comes from. He said, you, did, you don't, under, they don't, they don't understand the things that make for peace. Here's Jesus looking over the thousands of people living in Jerusalem with no peace. And Jesus knowing that he himself is our peace. And they had rejected him. What did the people living in Jerusalem, where did they think peace came from? Many of them, most of them thought peace came from religion. That if we'll just keep the law of Moses and keep all the rituals and say our prayers and do all these things that some of it's in the Bible and some of it we just added to the Bible. They just made it up. They made up their own religious rituals. And they just thought if we'll keep these rituals, God will be pleased with us and we'll be all right. But Jesus knew that that religion was not able to give them peace. Some of them thought peace came from recreation. If we'll just have fun and, you know, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die, (laughs) and and live it up, then somehow we can have peace. But Jesus knew recreation wouldn't give them peace. Some living in Jerusalem thought peace came from riches. If we can just have enough money, that money will provide for us security. Like the man in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus said he had all this money, and he said, I've got so much money, my barns won't hold it. I have to tear down my barns and build bigger barns, and he did. And he said, now I have plenty of money for the rest of my life. He was trying to find peace and security in his riches. Yet in that story, Jesus said, you fool, you don't know that tonight your soul will be required of you. You see, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem and saw all these people who had rejected him, he knew that they were trying to find peace in religion, recreation, and in riches, but that peace could only be found in a personal relationship with him. They didn't know the things that made for peace. They didn't know where peace came from. Let me show you a couple of verses. First, in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14, look at this. It says that Christ himself is our peace. Jesus is our peace. Peace is found in the person of Jesus Christ. 
Now, let me show you another one in John 14 and verse 27. It says, Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And so in Ephesians, Jesus said, I'm your peace. And in John 14, he said, I'm giving you peace. Which is it? It's both. He gave us himself, and yet Jesus wept because the people in Jerusalem did not understand where peace came from from. They had missed that. And not only that, look at the end of verse 44 again, because you did not know the time of your visitation. In other words, Jesus wept, not only because they didn't know where peace came from, he wept because they had an opportunity to get right with God through placing their faith in him, and they had not taken advantage of that opportunity. And that opportunity was passing, and uh, they had missed it. You did not know the time of your visitation. And so Jesus wept because of spiritual suffering. Let me ask you today before we move on to the next idea here. Do you have peace this morning with God? Peace. Do you know for sure today that your sins have been forgiven and that Jesus is living in your heart? Do you have peace? When you went to bed last night, did you have peace? When you woke up this morning, did you have peace? When you walked through those doors this morning and sang those songs, did you have peace? As you're sitting there listening to me preach this morning, right now, do you have peace in your heart knowing that all is well between you and God? One of my favorite verses, Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Paul said, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I've said it many times, peace follows faith just like night follows day. Peace and faith are parallel train tracks. If you have faith in a given area, you'll have peace in that area. And I'm asking you today, do you have peace? Not just about your salvation, that's the main thing. But do you have peace in every area of your life that God is in control and that God has a plan and that God will take care of you and that God will work everything out? Jesus wept on Palm Sunday because the people living in Jerusalem did not know where peace came from. And they had missed their opportunity to have an encounter with him that could change their life. And I want to just say before I get off this point, friend, if you today, with whatever is troubling you, will trust Jesus with that, he will fill your heart with peace. And there's nothing like the peace that Jesus gives. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have on today's program. Before we go, I would like to ask you, are you trusting in Jesus to give you peace? to provide for you an eternity in heaven? Maybe today you need to experience the new life that only Jesus can give. And best of all, it's free. If you would like to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, I ask you to pray with me now. Simply say, Dear Jesus, I believe that you love me and that you died on the cross to pay for my sins. Right now, I ask you to come into my heart, forgive my sins, and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me and I trust you to do it. Please make me the person you created me to be. In your name I pray, amen. For those of you who have prayed to receive Christ as your Savior today, we would love to know about it and to rejoice with you in your decision. In fact, the Bible tells us that the angels are rejoicing in heaven over your new life in Jesus. Please let us know by sending an email to info at peacebybelieving.org or by giving us a call at one 800 337 0157. Again, that's 1-800-337-0157. If you would like to grow in your new relationship with the Lord, we have some resources that we believe will help you. 
simply look for the booklets tab on peacebybelieving.org. The booklet, How to Be a Happy Christian, is a great tool to help you as you begin your walk with the Lord. Also, John's newest booklet, How to Handle a Crisis, is there as well. We hope that today's message, The Tears of Jesus, has been a blessing to you today. You can find this message, along with many others, on our website, peacebybelieving.org, under the broadcast tab. We also invite you to like Peace by Believing Ministries on Facebook and follow at PBB underscore broadcast on Twitter. Please like, share, and comment on these social media outlets. If the ministry of Peace by Believing has been a blessing to your life, please let your family and friends know about our program. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond as he concludes his message, The Tears of Jesus.